Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Such a long way to go. Some extra sauces with that. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Nobody likes to hear it. They're young, they're inexperienced. Uh, I don't know if anyone on this team besides Michael Hurd has been in this building. Uh, you know, so it's just a matter of uh, getting comfortable and, and learning from those things and growing uh, and being able to make the play or make the stop when you need to. And again, you know, I mean, we've, we've been right there. We're just not doing that. Obviously, the elephant in the room is Daniel. And... You know, if you were to tell me with playing a lot of freshmen, sophomores, and, you know, really two seniors, one junior, right? Um, yeah, I'd be really excited. But I also know that, you know, I care about Daniel. And, um, you know, we're not going to hold guys back either. So if that does happen, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll develop the other guys and recruit in the spring and, and go from there. Welcome in. Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. We got a lot to get into today. Some sage football wisdom in about 30 minutes from now. An interesting potential tug of war inside the Vikings organization in 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes from right now. And uh, reckless speculation, as always, throughout the show. But you just heard from Richard Patino. Last night, the Gopher basketball team loses at Indiana 72 to 67. They've now lost six of seven games, they've lost eight of 10 games. We could keep going back. Uh, they are 13 and 16 on the season. The NCAA tournament only happens if they win the Big Ten tournament at this point. The NIT only happens potentially if they go on a little bit of a run here to end the season. And Judd, I'm going to throw the ball over to you here. Okay. I'm going to bounce pass it into your court because short bounce pass or long? Because um, the long one's tough. A short one's. No, it's going to be one of those. Unnecessary in traffic bounce passes oh. that get stolen oh, wow. late like one in the, of the game. Like one of the wraparound ones where like, the guy tries to put the spin on it and weave it through traffic. Like the Gophers attempt late in games all the time and, uh, and wind up turning the ball over. <laughs> Yet again, we're sitting here and, and the Gophers just a few weeks ago, the Gophers pulled off a big win over Wisconsin yeah. and it looked like they were heading yeah. in the right direction. And now if you look at the standings in the Big Ten, Wisconsin is once again thirteen and six, tied for the conference lead, twenty and ten on the season. The I don't know Gophers how he does that. I don't know how they do that over there. The Gophers are third from the bottom at seven and twelve, ahead of yeah. just Nebraska and Northwestern, and thirteen and sixteen on the season. So let's pick up there. So it was uh, February fifth at the barn, and around that time, Greg Gard brought the Badgers here, and there was a player they had who basically um, went off on the program and transferred. I think he's going to end up at Nebraska, and I believe they fired around that time. 
or um, dismissed the strength and conditioning coach. So the Badgers were a mess. And there was talk, I remember around the time of that game, was Greg Gard going to make it in Wisconsin? Things weren't going well. It was off the tracks. And the Gophers, who rarely beat the Badgers in the last, basically in the Patino era, I think they beat them year one in the Patino era and hadn't won since, at the barn. They beat the Badgers that night 70-52, to 52, okay? Yep. They stomped them. It was, it's actually... I'd have to go back and look, but it's one of the most decisive wins over Wisconsin basketball I can remember in my life watching the Gophers, or right. at least the last 25 years. So that loss dropped at the time, as we said, the Badgers to 6-6 six and six in the conference. So the Badgers are 500. The Gophers look great in that game. Let's fast forward to last night, because while the Gophers were again melting down and or just simply losing in the second half of a game that was winnable, Wisconsin beat Northwestern, which is terrible, and is now 7-0 and since the Gophers' loss. They are now 13-6 and six in the conference, and they can now on Saturday, they play at Assembly Hall like the Gophers did last night. Mm-hmm. They can win the Big Ten title, a, t- a tie. They can tie for the Big Ten title. All right, this team that on February 5th got blown out here. Since the Gophers beat Wisconsin that day, in the same comparable amount of games, Wisconsin 7-0, Gophers 1-6 and six in that time. And we talked about this on VentLine today, and I threw the question out, and I said to the listeners, who are you, as a Minnesota sports fan, most jealous of? And we got some Packers, quarterbacks, of course. We got some Yankees. Yes, they're frustrating. But as I told Declan, they're the Yankees. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you might not like it, and you might want to point your finger at the poll ads and accuse them of being negligent, but the Yankees can do more than you. They just can. Doesn't mean that sometimes you are not going to pop up and beat them, but you can justify why the big bad Yankees kick your butt sometimes. Or, in the Twins' case, a lot of the time. Let me give you, and Phil, I think going back to the old uh, Mackie and Judd show, we went through this as well. But let me give you some of the history since 2000 on Gophers, Badgers, and football and basketball, and then ask a very simple question, which I think makes this very different than the Yankees and Twins. Since 2000, the Wisconsin Badgers in men's basketball have been to the NCAA tournament 18 times in 19 seasons. That's going to become 19 and 20 in a couple of weeks. That's uh, that's several more than the Gophers in their oh. program history. <laughs> they have history. The Wisconsin Badgers in that run. So I'm just going in the last 20 years. All right, I'm not even going back to the 90s. In that time, they have gotten past the second round nine times. So at least to a Sweet 16, nine times. They've been to two Final Fours in that time, since 2000, and been a national runner-up once. Since 2000, the Gophers have been to the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament six times and gotten past the second round once, and they were so excited by that event that Norwood Teague turned around shortly thereafter and fired head coach Tubby Smith. That's your only time past the second round, and it got a coach fired. In football. Dude, I'm... I need a drink in football. <laughs> I, no, no, but, but you're no, but I don't go get a drink because you're you're going to answer a question from me. I want an answer from both of you to a question. I don't. I don't have an answer, man. I already know where you're going, and I'm telling you, I don't really have an answer. I need probably. A, I need a claw. Since 2000, a watermelon claw, grapefruit claw. Minnesota, Minnesota uh, sports ineptitude brought to you by White Claw. Since 2000, Wisconsin has been to four Rose Bowls and have been to 19 bowls in 20 years, which, okay, the bowl thing is you go to a bowl now. But still, I said four Rose Bowls. That's your goal here, I think. Since 2000, the Gophers have been to 15 bowl games in the same 20-year period. But going back to our conversation during the football season, no Rose Bowl since the, ni- since the end of the 1961 season. Okay, when it comes to... 
and not to sound sexist here, but I'm going to say when it comes to the two sports that the national media and TV treasure most, men's basketball, and, and I'm a hockey guy, okay? Yeah, that's So, so that's I fine. like hockey, but I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The two sports that everyone wants to show and will pay millions, if not billions of dollars, mm-hmm. is football and men's basketball, right? Yep. Those are your two sports. Can anybody on God's green earth give me a reason why what I just read is possible when Madison, Wisconsin is a fun college town? It's it's overrated. But and that's fine too. No, it's not. You got I, an, I lived there for two years. I it's think it's not. great. It's great. You get an Ian's pizza. Congratulations. You put macaroni and cheese yeah, on pizza great. and a bunch of people walk it's around. It's not bomb. it's not the Twin Cities from a culinary standpoint. No doubt about that. But if you're if you're just here for a good time and not a long time, Madison is a good maybe, place. I don't know. Be. Maybe I'm bitter because like in two thousand five my friends and I went and dressed up and just wanted to walk around in costumes and have you a couple a beers and we literally got maced by the riot police. Okay. Let's. Oh yeah, you can't. It's do Madison, it. Wisconsin. Wait, yeah. Okay. What do we really need? What riot happened? police over Halloween. Oh, Halloween. Ha- you don't screw around there, man. Okay. Halloween is not a. They no. really. That's a. That's uh, overcompensation. Halloween okay? used to be so great in Madison, and they really have ruined it. They really have. Like it was just. A, it was. I mean, yes. Well, they, they got were, out of hand. The students got were, out of hand, yeah. and the cops went. Nuts. I mean, fights would break out. Vandalism. Whatever. Yeah. Anytime large groups of young drunk people yeah. get together, you can light but, some things on fire. But like ninety five percent of their lives. Ninety five percent of the kids there were having harmless drunk fun. Harmless drunk fun, and they got to crack down on, yeah, the 1% on everybody. That's yeah, ridiculous. They got to crack down on everybody because of that five percent. Yeah, like, like there's one fun thing to do in Wisconsin, and it's party on Halloween in Madison, and even that. <laughs> Even that. You know what the problem there is? It's the one city in that entire state that's too nice for that. Like, they're actually upscale compared to the rest they of them. They are, yeah. A little classier in Madison. They are, seriously. Yeah, you can't in light Green, things on fire in the In Green Bay, the you could burn the whole yeah. city down as long as you leave Lambeau alone. They're fine with Dude, that. I was there like five straight years on Halloween when it was still Halloween in Madison. And my God, my God, there is just nothing like it. It's aggressive. I digress, but, though. But back to my point, can somebody... So, the Yankees and Twins... We might hate the Yankees, but I can explain that one. I get that one. If a player chooses to go, an NBA player chooses to sign with the Lakers and not the Wolves, all right, I might not like it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. How do you explain this? How do you explain this? It's embarrassing, for one. As someone who, uh, as someone who is a golden gopher at heart, who spent four years going to, to college there, like it is... I have spent my entire adult life looking up at the Badgers in men's basketball and in college football. And even when the Gophers are pretty good in both sports, the Badgers are always a rung above. College basketball, okay? Unless I'm wrong on this, I just comb through it here. The last time the Gophers finished above the Badgers in the Big Ten standings, 1998. 1998? Are you serious? Like, that is... That right there, forget about... NCAA tournament appearances and all these other ways we can measure the program. And and by the way, football, you're not far behind. Even in football this season, and there's not a lot of things to criticize go for football for right now because that program is hot. It's on the rise. Yeah. And PJ Fleck is one of the ten or fifteen best college football coaches in the country. And even with all of that, of course you get your ass kicked at home, at home on national TV by the Wisconsin Badgers. You know, and I get that they, you know, they just returned the favor for what happened a couple of years ago, and it is kind of back and forth now in football. But as far as the basketball program goes, there's nothing out outside of I would say outside of the facilities maybe being equal now. Like you would, you would. Well, say I think the Gophers, the Gophers have, have jumped them now, don't and you? Maybe now? they have. I've never been inside the Badgers facilities, but the Badgers had better facilities for a while. Now the Gophers have built their facilities. 
Location is better. Recruiting is more fertile. Your state in has better. Play- yes, exactly. It is a joke and an embarrassment that Wisconsin continues to be in football and basketball a notch above the Gophers. Like it, it's terrible. And in a year that you kicked the Badgers' butt at home on your home floor, good for you. That's fantastic. And they look to be a mess. Now they're going to have a chance to tie for the conference title this weekend, and you are probably not going to make the NIT. Yeah. By the way, in 1998, okay, I just pulled this up. The last time the Gophers finished above the Badgers in the Big Ten standings in basketball was 1998, and the Gophers, the Gophers were six and ten in the conference that season. They actually went on and they won the NIT. That was the year that so that, that was that was the year after the Final Four appearance. They went and they won the NIT uh, in Madison Square Garden, and then the next year is when they all the sections came out. Pop back up so even in the year where they finished above the Badgers, it took it took an absolute tank. So the Badgers were just the Badgers. Badgers were just terrible. So but, I mean, I don't know. It's um, it's really it's really frustrating, and I don't I don't see any path for basketball right now where they are going to be in front of the Badgers in the next two or three years, especially if Daniel Oturo leaves. He's one of the best big men in the country, and people are saying he might be a lottery pick. You want me to tell you how this happens, Fred? How's that? You're not going to like this answer. Okay. Pure dumb luck. And let me explain why. Mm-hmm. So with the football team, Paul Christ, Madison guy, through and through, born there, grew up there, played football there, and he's a really good football coach, and he doesn't want to go anywhere else but Madison. He wants to be the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers as long as they'll let him be the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. So... They got their guy. They got a really good head coach who's not looking to go anywhere. So they have sustained success, a sustained culture, and a sustained system in place that works to a certain level. Same thing with Greg Gard. Same thing with Bo Ryan before him. Wisconsin guys, lifelong Wisconsin guys, who all they ever wanted was to be Badgers. And they're really good coaches who know how to put in really good systems and really good culture that leads to sustained success. Who's that guy for the Gophers? Who's that dude who's a real good coach or even a good program director who can come in, or excuse me, uh, athletic, director. athletic director who can come in and set a tone, set a culture, set a system, and isn't looking to go anywhere else? That's his dream job. He's a Gopher. He's always wanted to be a Gopher. But going back a long, long time, the Wisconsin Badger Athletic Department not hockey, but basketball and football for sure, in the late 80s was a complete mess. And and I, I believe that's when they got Donna Shalali in as the president of the school, and she hired Alvarez, and Barry did come in and set a culture and tone that started to change things, and that's what's never, until now at least, that's where the Gophers went from being about the same as Wisconsin and certainly better in basketball to falling behind in both. But Rami actually brings up a really good point here, and that if you go look at the way that Let's take Bo Ryan. Let's go. Let's let's start with Dick Bennett. Let's go back to Dick Bennett into Bo Ryan, and because this whole thing started with Dick Bennett in the late 1990s, uh, from Dick Bennett to Bo Ryan to Greg Gard, the Wisconsin Badgers have been very diligent about. We need someone who is ingrained in the state and mm-hmm. someone who can speak the same language of any parent or any 17 year old kid or any junior college kid, and maybe even speak the language of like. Minnesota, Iowa a little bit because they're just ingrained in the area. So Dick Bennett was a legendary coach. Of, I think it was Division 2, maybe 3, Stevens Point, Wisconsin in the late 70s, early yep. 80s. Yep. And he coached at Wisconsin Stevens Point 
for a decade and was one of the best non-top Division One A college coaches in the country. So he, in the region, though, then he coaches Green Bay for ten years. Mm-hmm. So now he's co- again he's like moving up the ladder, but he's been in the state for twenty years and making a name for himself. And then he gets the job at Wisconsin from 1995 until the early 2000s. But he had spent 20 years ingrained in the lower levels of college basketball in Wisconsin. Uh, I believe he also, I believe he also coached high school basketball for like 10 or 15 years. And I or believe more. Bo was a Division two coach as well in Wisconsin. Yep. But Wisconsin Platteville for 15 years, like they picked these guys. This is not a resume or a blueprint that would work almost anywhere else. Sure, but you still look at the. Um, the two sports side by side, basketball and football, and say there's nothing holding you back from being capable of being very successful to Minnesota. But is the thing that's holding them back, and this is where I'll look at Richard Pitino here, and I have been a huge Pitino supporter for yep. seven years, and I think that, that dude's like 37 years old. He's going to have a great career for 20 or 25 years, whether it's here or somewhere else. But if you went down the Wisconsin path and said, all right, let's say this Gophers job opens up, and you're looking for the next guy. Who is the guy that can come in here that has 10 or 15 or 20 years, however that looks like, of Minnesota roots that can really build that trust with the community, with coaches, Mm -hmm. high school players? I mean, that that is a huge part of the reason why Wisconsin, I think, is so great at just bringing in the borders and making sure that they get those players, even from Minnesota, they get and the, they, it's, it's great the culture. And, and they have man. self-awareness as a program in terms of what kind of guys they can actually go out and recruit successfully. And they go out and find guys who aren't four and five star recruits coming out of high school, but they know that's a guy who fits what we do in terms of culture, in terms of how we play the game. That's a guy who fits what we do and we can bring him in and we can get the most out of him. That's that's what they've been really good at for a long, long time, having self-awareness of who you can recruit, who you can't recruit, and getting the most out of the guys who you can get to your school. That's what Wisconsin has always done well. You would just like to finally see a day and age where the program here can thrive based on, on those things. So perhaps a football is turning a corner definitely now. I don't know. It looks like it is where you can thrive like they do because it's certain, this, is not, this is not explainable completely to me. You know, again, somebody doesn't play for the Wolves, get that. Again, the Yankees go and get two more starting pitchers. You don't. I get that. Don't like it. I, I get that. Uh, the second point off the sound bites that you played to open the show, Phil, that I find to be very interesting is that came in the same press conference last night after the Gophers lost to the Hoosiers. And the first is Patino's gone to the, we're a really young card. We're a really young team and we don't have the experience. And because of that, and guys are going to get more experience. It's going to be better. And then what's funny is the second sound, but you played same press conference. He turns around and says, basically says, Oturo's probably gone too. Oturo's a sophomore. So basically what you're telling me is you're too young now and your players are going to get experience, but the best of those players probably is not coming back. Yeah, it's a tough spot, man. So how are we to expect an uptick next season when the players, when the most key guy who's going to get that experience and should be a junior is probably going to bolt? The reality is if he bolts, there really can't be an uptick unless, unless, uh, you know, a couple other guys make a jump that you're not expecting or a couple freshmen are able to take the mantle. The reality is it's probably not going to happen. Uh, if you have thoughts on Wisconsin's dominance in basketball and football over the Gophers over the past 20-plus years, 651-646-8255, what's the solution? What's the solution in basketball? I told you guys this before, shortly after I got here, but my entire time 
in Wisconsin, whenever we would talk about Wisconsin sports, it was, why can't we be Ohio State? Why can't we be Michigan? And then I get here, and you guys are like, why can't we be Wisconsin? It's, it's, it's pathetic, but it's true. It is pathetic, but it is true. Yeah, and it's definitely true, and it's frustrating to watch, because, again, it's not explainable to me. 651-646-8255. You can always tweet at us. We always check Twitter during the show, at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting Sage Rosenfels in about 10 minutes from now for some Sage football wisdom. But our guy, Matthew Collar, host of Purple Daily, 2 to 4 o'clock weekdays on Score North, he wrote a really interesting article By on scorenorth.com. Special treat for Purple Daily listeners. If you missed it, I was there for the first half hour today. You can go and listen oh, to it. Oh, downloads are going to double Scorenorth.com, Scorenorth app, totally free. More Rami, totally free. Go downloads doubled today. Go get it. So he wrote a really interesting piece about a dynamic brewing within the Vikings organization. I'm just going to read this and get your reactions, okay? He was in uh, Indianapolis last week for the NFL Combine. Multiple sources in Indianapolis said Mike Zimmer's pushback against some uses of analytics is a point of contention within the organization. At the podium, Zimmer more or less laid it out. The front office is among the most progressive in the NFL, and he sees the role of numbers as less useful than the front office does. One person with knowledge of the Vikings' analytics usage said they are in the upper tier of teams using data to evaluate players, especially at the NFL draft. Rick Spielman has gone into detail in the past about how the team uses combine scores to clone players. One example would be the number of late-round defensive ends who are tall with long arms and strong three-cone drill scores that the Vikings have picked over the last number of years. I mean, Daniil Hunter fits into this perfectly, and they uncovered him, and he's that dude's going to be in the Hall of Fame probably someday. But when it comes to advice on the coaching side, the analytics department's advice is falling on deaf ears more often, sources said. As it pertains to fourth down calls, there seems to be an ongoing battle between the numbers and coaching philosophy. Zimmer's fourth down decisions have also largely been good by the data. Even a call to go for it against Washington last year that Zimmer called his worst decision in which the Vikings failed on fourth and one was a statistically defensible call. Uh, there's much more to this if you want to read the full article at scorenorth.com. But how do you guys feel that it sounds like the front office is sort of forward-thinking, maybe one of the top five or six teams in terms of the information they're gathering and how they want to implement it, and the coaching staff led by Mike Zimmer is kind of saying, that's great and all, I'm going to go by my gut. My question is, if that's how Mike Zimmer handles it, and I know analytics does more than just feed him Info for game situations like the one you just had there. They're involved in scouting and the draft and everything else. But like, how many analytics guys do you need to employ? Can you cut back on the analytics department if Mike Zimmer is just going to choose to not use it they're, in those game situations? Wait, you're saying the solution? They were no, just, just bail I'm saying, on analytics. I'm saying it's just a waste of money. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, pick pick a path. You know what I mean? You're either an analytics centered and driven team, or you're old school, going to go with my gut instinct and trends. But they've team. got like, it's, they've it's got one a lot or the of, other. They've got a lot of people in that franchise that really trend in the opposite direction of the coach. And this might be a reason why we continue not to hear that if Mike got an extension or not, because it is weird. If you extended Mike and Rick, I think it would just come out. And we're now past the point last year where we heard that they both given an extra year in their contracts. I find this to be very intriguing. And Phil, I think the most intriguing part to me of what Collar wrote, um, it's not necessarily the documentation. It's the quote that he uses first from Zimmer at the Combine. And... I'll ask you this from your baseball years of covering the Twins. 
Did you ever hear Gardy take sort of a sideways shot? Because Mike takes a shot at Rick, well, that, but that wasn't serious. Like, I don't think this is... Uh, I was kidding around with, well, in your case, Terry Ryan, but in this case, Rick Spielman, and we were yucking it up over a bottle of wine, and I was joking, your analytics stink. Right. Well, the, the, the only apples to oranges there is Ron Gardenhair and Mike Zimmer have a lot in common. Yes. The difference is one, one of their bosses didn't really care about analytics either, which is Terry sure. Ryan. Terry Ryan once famously on this radio station, I think to you and me, I know I was the I subject might have been of it. Just you. He said uh, we do have analytics guys. They're the yeah, twenty-five scouts we employ, yeah. Mackie. So I just think it's I think it's very interesting that Collar documented this by starting with what is definitely a sideways shot at something that Rick Spielman and his staff I think value a lot, and I don't think you can dismiss that as just a fun thing. Well, I, my general thought on this is. Anytime you're given information that can help you make better decisions or help you put together better schemes or help you win games, if you're dismissing that information, that's not the best way to go as a coach. And Mike Zimmer specifically in this in this article, scorenot.com, references fourth and five. He said, you know, you know, these all these people want you to go for it on fourth and five, but those people don't get fired. I do. Right. But if your front office is telling you here is information that says not only should you go for it on fourth and five, you won't get fired. You'll be praised for it. Right. And I think we've, I think 10 years ago when Bill Belichick in a game against the Indianapolis Colts went for it on like fourth and a yard and a half or fourth and two from his own 25 or 30 yard line and whiffed on it. And the Colts got the ball back and they went in for a game winning score. Bill Belichick made the right decision that is now much more, I think, lauded and praised because we have all this information that says, Hey, you should be more aggressive on fourth down. There's a couple teams in the NFL here. Philadelphia and Baltimore each went for it 24 times on fourth down in 2019. The Vikings went for it 15 times, so about half as many times. And the reason why Baltimore and Philadelphia can go for it 24 times on fourth down now compared to 10 years ago is because it's much more widely accepted that that's the right way to go about winning. So why do you still think, this is my criticism of Mike Zimmer, and he's been largely a really good coach, Mm -hmm. but why do you think that there'd be more pressure on you and that you might get fired for going for it in fourth down situations that are widely lauded and strategically accepted right. in 2000 because you're because that that is the era that you, that you're from it's just like in Gardy's time Terry gets the players and I make the lineup card I draw it up that's my job right think think about baseball probably is at the forefront of this but every sport the wolves every sport now has front office analytic departments that are married to their coaches, very much so, way more. Thad Levine and Derek Falvey and their departments help decide who's going to play for the Twins every day now. Rocco Baldelli doesn't sit downstairs at Target Field and put pen to paper and be like, this is my lineup card, get out, right? So that whole thing's changed. Now, in Zim's world, he still thinks to himself, well, if I screw up, I get fired, which is the old way to think. But shifting to 2020... When you employ entire departments that come to you and say, not only here's what you should do on fourth and five, you guys, but also here's how you should practice and here's who shouldn't practice. And you're thinking, but I'm old school football guy. What's what's going on here? So I think in Mike's case, he is losing control that he's not used to losing. But what actually would keep him employed is to accept the fact he's losing that control. Things have just changed. They're no longer the same. There used to be clear um, lines of this is my job, this is your job, this is your job, this is my job. The
Those lines now are blurred. Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders probably talk five times a day about what the Wolves' makeup on the floor is going to look like. Yeah. Tibbs talked to himself about that. I have an idea, guys. So we recently found out, and no, I'm not going political, just stay with us here for a second, that the former White House doctor, to get more vegetables into the president's diet, started sneaking cauliflower into his mashed potatoes. Sneaking? Yes. How do we sneak analytics into Mike Zimmer's game planning? How do we, how do we, what's the mashed potatoes that you put the analytics in for Mike Zimmer? Is it possible that we could somehow make Mike Zimmer think that fourth and five is really fourth and inches? Like, how can we? There's got to be a way that you can trick him into thinking analytics is just like the trend or the gut or whatever I, I, it is that he's going I with. Think There's got to be a way. Let's get rid of the word analytics because it's just a weird, scary sure. word for yeah, some reason. Absolutely. Yeah. How about replacing the word analytics with information that can help you make decisions better to win football that games. Doesn't, that doesn't work for a Mike Zimmer type. Information. I think you've got to infiltrate his uh, play card sheets somehow with information that he does not expect to see, but then says, oh, this looks good. I mean, I... we got to find the mashed potatoes to sneak the cauliflower in. That's what I'm getting at here. I don't know exactly how you do it, but there's got to be a way <laughs> into tricking Mike Zimmer to think that analytics are something good, something that they're not... Actually, it's not well, it's not a vegetable. It's mashed potatoes. Let's talk to a guy when we come back here who likes cauliflower and mashed potatoes. I don't know if you put some together or if he does the cauliflower it's actually mash. actually kind of a smart way to make mashed potatoes a little bit lighter. It's healthier. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely. Had it before, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, I think the cauliflower fried rice is very good, too. And later on, we'll take, we've got some people on hold, and we'll get to your calls about the Badgers' domination over the Gophers, uh, Gophers largely over the past 20 years. But Sage Football Wisdom when we come back here to Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North and the Score North app, you're always getting 25 straight minutes of Mackie and Judd with Rami whenever you're listening to our show, in part because of sponsors like Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. One of my favorite things to do is go to their website, which they just revamped sometime in the last few days here. It looks pretty pretty nice, pretty clean. LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Go to the pre-owned vehicle section, and you'll find out just some of the great deals you can get on pre-owned Toyotas. Like, for instance, here is a 2007 Toyota Camry four-door sedan with, let's see here, under 100,000 miles, going for just $6,995. You can get into a 2012 RAV4 four-wheel drive, 140,000 miles, which means you can probably drive another fifty or 100,000 on it before you have to get too worried. Just twelve nine ninety five right now on the lot on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. My family and I have trusted... These same people in this same place for 30-plus years. Website, again, is LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. And uh, stop in. Tell them Phil Mackey sent you. Mackey and Jub with Rami here from the TCL Studios. Jonathan here with the Score North Download. You can join Mackey, Judd, and Rami each Wednesday at 5 p.m. for Write That Down. The guys not only make sports predictions but hold each other accountable for them each and every week. For your chance to be a guest picker on Write That Down, enter through listing rewards on your Score North mobile app, which will always be free for the time being. Uh, if you missed the conversation we just had on Mackie and Judd with Rami, it was about Matthew Collar's article over on scorenorth.com about where the Vikings stand with analytics, and it was based off of this comment from Mike Zimmer at the NFL Combine last week. Yeah, Rick, Rick loves him. Yeah, Rick loves him. Um, you know, analytics is a tool. Um he likes to use it because it's a good buzzword for him. Um, you know, for me, 
tendencies about the other team and things like that. When we look at tendencies, we could say they're analytics, but um, I have a hard time someone telling me to go for it on fourth and five when you're up by two scores and they don't know the team that they're playing against. And if you do go for it and you don't get it, they don't get fired, I do. So that's my take on it. For Matthew Collar's take on Vikings and analytics, head over to scorenorth.com right now. That article is free, that website is free, and the app is also free. That's been your Score North download now. Back to Mackie and Jonathan Rami. All right, thank you, Jonathan Harrison. Sage football wisdom time here on this Thursday. And Sage, what would you tell Mike Zimmer after he uh, sort of opines and says, listen, you all want me to go for it on fourth and five. But uh, you don't get fired. I do. I feel like we don't feel that way about going for it on fourth and five anymore in 2020. That was very much a 2005, 2010 thing. What would you tell Mike Zimmer? I think that I'm going to go off that one high school coach. I'm not even sure what state he's in, but he never punts. I think you just never punt. Go for it no matter what. Chance I agree. Are. That's the Larry David theory. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but probably not in the NFL. I think in high school, when some teams punt about twenty yards, it's a little bit different. But <clears throat> um, you know, I think what Zim's really talking about is you know there is an aspect of this thing of, of being a coach uh, and being an athletic that is sort of by the gut or your feel or your experience, uh, and rather than just the numbers, the numbers can't tell you everything of how game flow is going or injuries at certain positions or teams you're playing and who you're playing against uh, and all those types of things. So I think there's, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, liars use numbers and numbers lie or something, some phrase like that. And, and I think, I think analytics are important. I think it's a great tool. I think it's very important for coaches to really look at them and, you know, possibly when they should go for two or when they should, uh, uh, you know, go for it, fourth and five. I think those aspects are, are, are very important. But at the end of the day, I think what he's trying to say is, you know, as a head coach, we have to make those decisions. And sometimes uh, we like to go with our experience and our gut because uh, that's really, you know, how they got that job in the first place. Is making decisions, be, and I know it's not as simple as he makes it sound in, in that soundbite we played, but is making decisions for your job security when we're talking about game situations in your opinion, a wise way to coach a football team, Sage? No, but I don't think he meant that. I mean, I think that just one of the that's sort of the thing coaches say where, you know, listen, we don't win football games, we get fired. I mean, I think that's all he's trying to say there. Uh, and and I, I again, I, I, I think this is one of those scenarios where everyone's taking a little bit out of maybe context of where it actually is. I think that maybe some people are really into analytics and, and you sort of go by the book and you go with the, what those numbers say, uh, which I think there's a lot of truth to that. But there's also, you know, what was the quarterback's feel? What was, what was the look of the quarterback on the sidelines? Did he look like he was a guy who was going to lead your team down at the end or a guy that looked like he was, you know, frazzled from earlier in the football game and he might, you know, throw the ball to the other team at the worst time? That's where actual real life, you know, there is real life emotion and a real life aspect to it. I, th- I think that's all he's trying to say. Hey, Sage, are, are we at some point in time as the draft approaches uh, next month? Are we going to get some buzz that uh, that if Tua's physicals and athletic ability and health continues to go well, that the Bengals m- might take him above Joe Burrow? Because every mock draft I'm still seeing says Joe Burrow at one to Cincinnati. And I got to think at some point in time with the way the game has evolved and changed and seeing what Tua and knowing what his skill set is, that it would at least be a little bit more of a question mark if you're the Bengals 
on which quarterback you want if both of them are considered to be completely healthy? Well, you know, listen, I, I think that Tua is, I, I don't want to say a better athlete. He's quicker. He's a quicker quarterback. He sort of moves around the pocket really well. But an actual straightaway speed, you know, Joe Burrow can run pretty well. Uh, and I, I don't, Let's just see if he runs at his pro day. But I imagine, uh, I don't think Tua is that straightaway fast, if that makes any sense. And so they're both good athletes. I think they're both good throwers. I think Burrow's got the bigger arm. Obviously, he had the magical season, and he doesn't have the wear and tear that Tua has. And, and, uh, and that actually almost helps in a way. It's almost like a, a running back in a sense where, where Burrow only played as really, as really a senior for his last you know, couple of years of college football and obviously had the great year, but he doesn't have years of wear and tear. And, and that is important, especially as a young guy, you know, hip surgeries and those types of things. Uh, you know, we, we all saw happen to Dante Culpepper when he had that injury uh, in his career, and he was pretty much done after that knee went bad. So I think there's an injury aspect to it. I think people love both of those quarterbacks. I think the more film that people watch of Tua, not just of before he got hurt this year, but in, in past years, he's a really good quarterback, and he is extremely accurate. And I love how he moves around the pocket and buys a little space and buys a little time, uh, and is accurate on, on the mid-range throws are, are, are really tremendous. Uh, Sage Roosevelt settled a debate for us yesterday. Cam Newton. What do you think of Cam Newton as a quarterback? Let's say, I, let's say he's healthy. Well, he's not. He's never going to be. I mean, Cam Newton of five years ago, I think he's a, you know, a really good player and a great weapon to have on your team. And he can really, uh, he helps out in so many ways. Do you know how nice it is on third and two or third and three to go, you know, we can spread him out. And just run quarterback something and get to and get three yards. Uh, that's a huge advantage. And if they they all out blitz you, Cam's a good passer and he can throw it, you know, and, and find the guy for a first down. But when you take that running thing away from him, uh, he's not a, a great thrower. He's always late with the football. He's always had bad footwork, uh, and he hasn't, you know, found the right offense. I think he was good with Mike Shula when they were young, but he's not there anymore. And and uh, we're going to have a, a, a new offense. We'll see how he does in it, but. I'm not a huge Cam Newton fan at this point in his career. Let's just say hypothetically, uh, the Bears signed Cam Newton. Who helps the Bears? If, if Cam Newton can get you at least 12 or 13 games as a starter, and maybe he sits a few out with an injury, who gives you a better chance to, to win games, Mitch Trubisky or this version of Cam Newton? Man, it is off-season speculation mode, isn't it? It's like, uh, it is. I, I, Hell yeah, uh, it is. Um, yeah, especially the Bears. Right? We love speculating on which uh, uh, not great quarterback is going to be uh, in, uh, running the Bears' <laughs> office this year. Um, you know, that's a good question. You know, Cam had to come and learn a new system, right? This is a different system he's been in the past, and, and they really spread it out a lot. And he's a better thrower than Trubisky, but really at this point in his career, I'd have to say Mitchell Trubisky is a better runner than Cam Newton. And uh, I think either way, that Matt Nagy's offense is not good for either one of them. Is Matt Nagy's offense good for anyone? <laughs> Rami. Yeah, you know, Matt Nagy's offense would be good for Peyton Manning, a guy who can get up there, he can audible, he can do different things, he can find matchups, he can see the blitzes, he's got all that experience in the pocket. It's a, you know, pocket passer. I am the, you know, sort of Steve Nash point guard. I'm dishing and dealing all the time. <laughs> it's that, it's offense for that type of quarterback. If you're a guy who's not a great thrower and not a good reader of defenses, which Mitchell Trubisky is both of those things, it might be the worst type of offense for that type of quarterback. How is it we always get to how bad Mitchell Trubisky is when we talk? It's a because gravi- he's really it's, that bad. It's but a I gravitational digress. pull. I digress. And it impacts the Vikings exactly right. positively, hopefully, at hey, some point. 
Hey, Sage. And here's what's amazing, by the way. I was just at the Combine talking to a lot of different coaches, and at some point uh, the the conversation of Trubisky and Mahomes, those guys came up, and a lot of teams, I I had one uh, offensive coordinator in the NFL tell me that he had Trubisky as a third- or fourth-round draft pick back in the day based off of his physical skill set but also how he interviewed. He wasn't super impressed with the interview at that Combine. Yeah. Speaking of Sage, as our uh, combine correspondent there, and knowing that you do inside a lot, know a lot of people, and talk to a lot of people, give me a couple of the juiciest things that you can tell me. Don't have to reveal your sources, of course, uh, that you learned at the combine. Uh, I've got one great story. I don't. Know if, I don't know if I can tell it. I, I haven't. You told can. On the radio I, yet. I talked to the other person involved, and you totally can, Sage. Go right ahead. You did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, at one point I was talking to uh, Archie Manning uh, one night, and you know I, I'd known Archie from backing up Eli. Of course, I'm sure he's gotten to know a lot of backups in his life. Uh, obviously, his son being the two great starters. Um, and he and I were talking about 15 minutes, and then Bill Belichick walked up, and though I, I moved to the side, of course, and let those two talk for about 15 minutes. And then Bill left, and I started talking to Archie again. Um, and and he goes, you know, I, I never really met Bill Belichick before. I go, really, that really surprises me. It's literally as I'm standing there, going like, there's you know NFL royalty to my left here uh, uh, with Belichick and Archie Manning having this conversation for the first time. So uh, anyway, so he says, you know, but Peyton and him have really struck up a, a great relationship. I guess it was a Pro Bowl years ago or something, but they've just been really good friends ever since. Uh, and uh, and and Peyton, I guess a couple years ago had a speech in Boston. And so he calls up uh, uh, Bill Belichick. He says, Bill, you know, I'm coming to town to give this speech. Uh, why, why, don't you, why don't we uh, get Tom and, and we'll all go out to dinner at a, at a restaurant or something? And I guess Belichick said, why do you want to invite Tom? Oh, now wow. that's juicy. Wow. Reckless speculation. Wow. That seals it. Tom Brady to the 49ers is happening. Sage, you just paid for your trip, yeah. man. That was great. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great story, though, isn't it? I, I tell you what, uh, you know, Archie Manning is a is a great guy. I I I, I will see where where uh, Tom Brady ends up. By the way, I I really think the 49ers. I I I know they're trying to play cool on it, but I would think that'd be a great place to be. Uh, you know, obviously his hometown. Great, probably the you know the top three rosters in the league, young rosters, really good players, great offensive line, running game with that great defense. I mean, that is a place as a veteran you want to just slide right into and go, I don't have to be a magician here to win a Super Bowl. And, and, and you know, I don't know. I don't think Raiders make any sense. Maybe a little bit with Tennessee. I think of all the teams, the 49ers make the most sense other than going back to the Patriots. Football. There he is. That is Sage Rosenfels, more than a decade in the NFL as a quarterback and uh, with the Vikings in uh, 2009. So, Sage, uh, you, you're going to be on hiatus next week on a super top-secret project, but we'll catch up with you during free agency frenzy bonanza week when the Vikings uh, would presumably have more cap space. So uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, guys. It, it should be interesting. Uh, this is a, a very important offseason for Minnesota, probably as important as I've been around uh, since, since covering the team. So it should be interesting. Yep. All right, Sage. See you, man. All right, guys. Good stuff there from our football-loving friend, Sage Rosenfels. And we'll keep it right here, by the way, in the middle of 25 straight minutes of Mackie and Jeb with Rami. But How juicy was that? We're going to get to some more juicy, oh, juicy. NFL juicy. free agency stuff in about 14 minutes from now. 14, 15 minutes. Okay. Including, I'm trying to decide if I should read a DM on the show. 
The one you shared with us last night? I can't night? read it verbatim. I can't no, read it can't. verbatim. We can't run with that. <laughs> I'm the most irresponsible person at Score North. <laughs> I'm telling you, we can't well, run with it. Can we, huh? run, can we go with a couch version of <laughs> it in 15 minutes? Yes. I would stay away from it. There's well, a couple. On, there's wait, a couple of sensitive. The there's a couple of things that can't like. Yeah. Well, no, we've got sources that we can't reveal within that. I understand that, but I don't think there's any. Just, I, I think if you were to call the next floor upstairs and check with the legal department, nothing would stop you from. Yeah, going we'll with the information. We'll just we'll redact a few things. Yeah, we'll redact yeah, which a few I, things. Which I think you should is be fair. fine with that. Yeah. yeah. So right. some well, some some I mean, reckless speculation. It's irresponsible. But what's not right now? Everything. We have the disclaimer. And I was thinking about this. Driving home the from trick. the Wolves game last night. At this point in time, when it comes to football, what's not, what's not irresponsible? It's like the San Francisco thing with Brady. It's awesome, completely irresponsible. Reckless speculation. I mean, we've a couple weeks ago we had Mike Greenberg. Actually, this goes back probably a month and a half ago. We had Mike Greenberg on the show from Get Up, and we posed a couple speculative questions about Tom Brady to him and. And he liked it so much, the reckless speculation brand. He took it and used it verbatim the next morning on Get Up. Well, he's not using reckless speculation anymore, but they have literally just did he turned stop that using show. It? I think he did. But they've <laughs> they have turned that show into just two hours of Tom Brady speculation Dude, and quarterback speculation. The reason that show took off is because they leaned heavy into the football. That's when that show really took off. True. When they abandoned the Michelle Beadle, Jalen Rose, we're going to be here every morning and have fun. It's like Good Morning America, but we're talking sports. They stopped with that and just went all in on the football. And now football season is over for the first time since they switched gears. And what are they going to do? What are they going to do before free agency opens? Football. Go back to being the Good Morning America in sports? Just do that now? You're so right about that. Right? Amazing. You're so right about that. Yeah. So, so in 10 minutes from now, Love 10, it. 12 minutes from now, we will recklessly speculate on a few things and uh, we'll float a couple things that were brought to our attention. 651-646-8255. The question from the top of the show, why the hell do the Badgers just own the Gophers in basketball and football for 20 years? For actually 30 years for football, for the most part. How is that possible? What is the fix specifically for basketball? Judd rolled through a bunch of the numbers. The last time the Gopher basketball team finished above the Badgers in the Big Ten standings was 1998. That's embarrassing. There are kids who are graduating college right now, this spring, that have never seen the Gophers finish above the Badgers in the Big Ten standings. What do you make of it, and how do you fix it? 651-646-8255. Let's go first to River Falls, where Chad is on the line. What's up, Chad? Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good. How are you doing? Good. Are you a Badger fan or a Gopher fan? Okay, so I'm a Badger fan, but I work for the U of M. Okay. That's an interesting kinda, perspective. It, it, okay. Yeah, it's kind of awkward some days. but um, They allow that, huh? Um, Yeah, they do. I feel like that's that that right there explains the problem with the Gophers. I feel like they mole? should have done a better vetting process. Are you a mole? Are you a Badger's no, mole? I am not a Badger okay. mole. All right. Um, so, I, mean, one of the, I think one of the... The biggest thing is, is you know, like when you saw like PJ Fleck re-signed his contract last year, right? Mm-hmm. There was this huge, huge, huge celebration that his buyout clause, his buyout clause, one year, two years, what this was, you know, you don't have that in Wisconsin. When they re-sign their coaches, I mean, they're here for life. They're going to be here for as long as they possibly can. Alvarez got hired as a football coach in what eighty seven, eighty eight, somewhere in there. 
took him to the Rose Bowl. Now he's the athletic director. He's, you know, it's the whole the whole process, you know, the ideology of the, it's all about Wisconsin. Minnesota is like, I'm going to come here. It's a stepping stone in Division One basketball, Division One football. Where can I go next? It's almost like the Vikings signing Brett Favre and Warren Moon. It's just that stopgap. Yeah, these are these are good points in the chat. Thank you for the phone call. Interesting perspective from a Badgers fan who works for the University of Minnesota. You look at PJ Fleck and Richard Pitino, and they are transplants. They they were not born and raised. They they did not coach at Stevens Point like Dick Bennett did, or uh, or Bo Ryan coaching at the lower levels of college basketball, Division two, II, Division three, and then and working their way up. Anytime you have someone who comes from the outside in, whether it's a free agent or a coach, we tend to have an insecure, tight feeling that, oh my gosh. But to be clear, what Gopher, if they leave? Gopher basketball has not lost coaches. Clem got, fu- got fired because of the scandal and then got replaced eventually by Munson, right? Mm-hmm. Who got fired because they weren't successful enough. And then you got Tubby here, who was sort of at the end. Tubby is sort of the Gopher Athletic Department's answer to Warren Moon or Brett Favre for the Vikings, right? Oh, man, I can't believe they got Tubby Smith. Mm -hmm. So it's not even a situation where guys are taking the Gopher basketball program as a stepping stone. And I would say that with what the Gopher Athletic Department has going for it now, this this should be a destination spot. Like, there's everything here to make yourself secure and successful. Let's go to Aaron in Cottage Grove. Hey, Aaron. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, man. What do you think of this dominance? Well, start off, I am a Badger fan, so we'll go with that. Um, I think it's twofold. One, 30 years ago, the Wisconsin school made a commitment to football because it knew football was a machine that would drive the rest of the organization. And they committed to football to being successful. They brought Barry in and so on and so forth. The rest is history. And number two, I think the system's been the same in football and basketball. They run the same. I mean, basically, it's run first football, defense first basketball. And I think it was Rami that said, um, you know, Wisconsin closes on the borders. If you're a high schooler that's an offensive lineman, you're going to Wisconsin. Yep. And then they go and they, they pick a few kids off that are maybe more athletic that are from out of state, and they, they build the program from that. It's been consistent for 30 years. I think Minnesota has, has had different philosophies. What do you want to be? What kind of program do we want? And it just hasn't been consistent where you can't, you don't get the same type of, of, of quality athlete from the in-state. Yeah, Aaron, thanks for the, for, for the phone call, man. But it's sort of, all right, you build the consistency. What comes first? You have to, at some point, you have to jolt a program with a successful run, and then comes consistency and continuity and those things. Um, I don't think continuity and consistency always leads to another level. So it's sort of chicken or the egg factor. Uh, with this, I don't know. I just think it's embarrassing that the Gopher basketball team can't even get a whiff of being ahead of Wisconsin in the standings for 22 years. That's ridiculous. And the fact that Wisconsin has been to more NCAA Who's there, tournaments. Who's Bo Ryan or their Greg Gard or their Paul Christ? That's the question, man. Like, but it's not just the coaches. The fo- who, who's the foundation? Like, is Mark Coyle our Barry now? Because that, that's the problem too. We, we've run through ads here. Donna Shalali hired Barry and. Like Barry or not, and there's some things about Barry I don't like. Barry and the football program did such a good job, and, and then Barry transitioned into the AD role, right, of creating a foundation there. So, like, there's a building block. There, there's a key building block that goes now well beyond just a coach. Because 
Well, the, the Badger, in fact, it was probably when when you were there, Rami, the Badger football program hired Gary Anderson, mm-hmm. right, from Oregon State or something? Yep. Terrible fit. Really not a good hire. Not a good hire. Didn't have the right idea on weight rooms and was trying to run more of a Pac-12, let's have a sexy, high-flying offense. And the Badgers were like, whoa, 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 this ain't what we do. Yeah. And it ended quickly. But the foundation was there to end it quickly, so they screwed up, but they fixed it. And those are the type of things where, with the Gophers, it would have gotten how far down the road to be like, oh, now here's another disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do wonder, because if you go back, Richard Pitino came from outside, Tubby Smith came from outside, Dan Munson came from outside. Yeah, right? came from like, Gonzaga before Mark Few. He he was the head coach. Yep. And I'm all, listen, I'm all for talented, if, if, if one coach comes from the outside and he's just a better coach, like, we shouldn't discriminate in that regard, but it's been so long since, and I, I mean, Clem Haskins, you know, came from, came from the outside. I mean, he was successful, but yeah. what would it be like if, and someone just tweeted in before this segment, uh, Kevin McHale, should, no, I'm, I get the <laughs> Kevin McHale's a Minnesotan, but Chauncey wasn't, Chauncey, not really, yeah, he's, I mean, he played for the Wolves. Yeah. Um, I just, was a long Minnesota guy. Yeah, a long time. I, mean, I need you know to see a list. It doesn't have to be a high-profile guy. Like, we're sitting here brainstorming, like, the most famous Minnesota basketball players or football players. Yeah, nobody, none of these guys. Bo Ryan. knew who Greg Gard was. Correct. Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the football Bo, coach's name now, even though I've said it ten times. Paul Chris. So Paul yeah. Chris was an, a nondescript offensive lineman. He wasn't, <laughs> like, some all-American. He was just an offensive lineman who yeah. got into coaching after he graduated, was on Barry Alvarez's staff. Moved around the country a little bit Actually, on different know, staff. You know who like the, the names would be? Ryan Saunders would, would be yeah. that guy. Or um, who's uh, Ke- Kevin Burleson played for the U of M, and he's floating but around. My question is, is Mark Coyle now going to establish a foundation on which you can build these programs? Because that's the thing that I've, I always have thought it's gone beyond the coach. It's the foundation, and it's the 80s leaving or them getting or the school being in trouble, right? It's just been... It's been a series, and hopefully for the sake of the school, it stopped, but it's been a series, too, of embarrassments. It's mm-hmm. been a series of, you go to a Final Four, oh, that was outstanding, two years after you get pinched for the academic scandal. So is there going to be a foundation now on which you can build and have the ability also then to go find the people that we're talking about? Yeah. And yeah. P.J. Fleck might be a start. He's from the outside, but who cares? Yeah. And the other question, too, is does P.J. Fleck say, beyond, let's say, one or two programs that anybody might leave for, I really like it here, and I've got everything infrastructure-wise to be successful here. So why would I go to Michigan State? Yeah. So I'm just I'm just buzz killed by. I'm sorry to bring that up, but I was watching that. But I was watching that last night. Wisconsin, you know, got drilled here. That that's mm-hmm. what brought it. That's what crystallized it to me. Wisconsin gets drilled here, embarrassed. And you're like, oh, the Gopher, you know, it's yeah. pretty good. You, you know think- what? Got a tweet here from Mahomes and Otto. All three of us at Rami is tweeting at Jay Zelgad at Phil Mackey. Solid handle as well. <laughs> I said this earlier, but let me make this clear. I am not jealous of the Badgers' success because, in all honesty, their success is really not that great. They've won as many championships as the Gophers have in the last three decades. What he's saying is you're not thinking big enough, which is what I'm always saying. If you're not thinking championships, you're just not thinking big enough, guys. If you're not thinking Mookie Betts in a Twins uniform, you're not thinking big enough. I just if you're wanna... not thinking put a roof on it, no. you're not thinking so big enough. So you're saying enough. that the Browns Browns fans look at Vikings fans and say, hey, we're pretty much the same the last 20 you gotta years. you got to crawl, man. The school has to crawl before it can go to championships. One other thing to note, the, the last, you could argue that the three best players 
Uh, you could probably debate this, but the three best players the Gophers have had, the Gopher basketball team has had in the last 20 years, are Joel Prisbilla, Chris Humphreys, and Daniel Laturu. Joel Prisbilla got um, thrown out of the program because of a- academic problems, right? Well, or quit. Less, less about like the individuals and right. more about the team did nothing with any of those three. Yep. Well, Prisbilla. They went to like couple NCAA, one NCAA tournament combined? I think Prisbilla got. Uh, was academically ineligible, and so he quit. Chris Humphreys was one and done, right? Mm-hmm. And then with Oturu, yeah. And and the pro- and that's what's frustrating about uh, Patino's press conference last night is in one hand talking about we're young and these guys are going to develop, but then you're like, but Richard, you also are going to, and he did tell us that the key core guy from that group who's going to be a junior or should be a junior next season is almost certainly going to leave you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's it, frustrating. So, anyways, we're going to come back. Uh, we that's that's enough depressing Gopher basketball talk here. When we come back, reckless speculation. We continue to near NFL free agency, and there are quarterbacks floating around with destinations to be determined. And we have more on Tom Brady and an advancement of that story. And we're going to read at least part of a fun DM that we received, Vikings related. Mm. Not the whole thing. I'm super irresponsible, man. When I'm telling you, What's your I don't on this think one, it's Rami? a good idea. It's probably not right. a good we'll idea. I'm concerned about it. We'll discuss it it's when we just, come back. It's gossipy. And <laughs> Can you play the sounder again, just quickly for him? I don't think you understand. <laughs> Reckless speculation. It's gossipy. When, you're, when your life is built around that motto, how can Look, you not? I'm no journalist. Okay, I'm not a journalist. I don't have any standards. You know what? You know what? When we come back here, uh, I think we might need some insurance for what we're about to read, and that's All where right. Federated comes in. Right. Federated Insurance is here to give business owners peace of mind. Uh, it's hard owning a business. You pour your life and your energy into it. The last thing you want is for something bad to happen that puts you on the defense. And that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, with over a century of experience in standing behind business owners, Federated helps business owners in these different industries. Auto services, cabinet and custom woodworking, retailers, wholesalers, contractors, dealerships, funeral services even, machine, plastics, and tooling. You can find a full list at federatedinsurance.com. Uh, Federated was also named a top 150 workplace by the Star Tribune for the second year in a row. It's just a great place to work, a great culture, and all the things they do to help business owners. Federated, it's their business to protect yours. More new deep dives are available on Minnesota Sports Rewind, including two new episodes on the Johan Santana trade and the craziest season in Vikings history. Minnesota Sports Rewind, available right now on the Score North app, Apple, and Spotify. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. All right, welcome in. Hour two of Mackie and Judd with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app. And uh, we've got a lot to unpack here when it comes to Tom Brady speculation. And there's people that are mad at us for speculating on well, something Tom Brady and Vikings related. Yeah. And really, they should be mad at you. Because I'm the one that teed it up. You asked me the question. It's I just true. answered the question. What kind of show would it be if Phil asked me to lay out a scenario and I was just like, no. 
Well, you know, can, that's not good radio. Can we start there? Past the part where you blamed the person who cut the audio. I already apologized to you. My bad. Oh yeah, that got dicey. And thanks again. Does thanks, Phil know about this? Thanks again for I all do. the delicious food from Allianz Field yep, and sure. Minnesota United oh, yesterday. Boy. You're the real MVP at Score North. Just rip the guy who made the audio. First game. of all, I didn't even rip you. I thought it was Seth who made it, so I ripped Seth. All right. Technically, I ripped Seth, and then I found out it was you who made the audiogram, and that I was wrong about it, Wait, and I don't mind admitting when wh- I'm wrong. Which one are you talking about? Are you talking about where the you... The Brady one. Okay. The Brady one. He ripped people because they were... He ripped the listeners and commenters because they were basically saying he's an idiot for saying such a thing. He goes... And he started blaming whoever cut the audiogram. I thought whoever made the audiogram left out you asking me the question. So, I, I oh, no, it turns there. out this guy didn't even listen to the audiogram no, no, when I he's listened, yelling at the people I was in for a not bar, listening. I was in a bar about uh-huh. to do some comedy. Crush in it, by the way. Bar. I was in a bar about to do some comedy, and I did, I did listen to it, but the clip had already started when I hit the little speaker icon, so... I must have missed a part where yeah, Mackie okay. asked a question. Okay, Louis C.K., tell hear. it to the judge. Okay? Wow, Louis okay. C.K., wow. That was aggressive. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was really aggressive. I love, I love where that went. Good Lord, man. <laughs> wow. You know what, now, for sure. Goodness. For sure, you, you could talk about the the uh, thread that we got last night. Whip it out night. one time in the studio, <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden you're Louis C.K. Because you just compared Rami to Louis C.K. That's so great. Well, let's, okay, let's start here. Because whether it was people mad at Rami Poor in the Rami. audiogram that was posted on the Score North Twitter account, or the people that were emailing, and uh, and I don't mean to take like Twitter and make it into something bigger than it is, but last night I had a strong sense that people were very mad at us for connecting Tom Brady to the Vikings dots. Just hypothetical dots. Hypothetical dots, Okay. And uh, I think my my lashing out at people who are annoyed by our Tom Brady Viking speculation, I have two different things for you. Number one, sports are fun. We are just having fun, okay? A little bit of reckless speculation. Never hurt anybody. We're just here. Reckless speculation. We're just here to have fun. And by the way, like the Twins, remember when we were recklessly speculating on the Twins and then they did sign Josh Donaldson? I mean, this this type of stuff does happen in Minnesota sports. The Wild at one point signed Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter on the same damn day on July 4th, seven years ago. What a great day that like, was. This stuff happens in Minnesota sports. But, yep. but number two, the Vikings, historically, in my life as a Vikings fan, make aggressive plays for quarterbacks. And I have a list. And when you list this out, it is unbelievable. Not just the ones that we talked about yesterday, the quarterbacks that they've landed, the ones that they've tried to land, Okay. Here is a list of all the quarterbacks in the last 25 years that they've either signed or tried to sign aggressively. Jim McMahon, Super Bowl winning quarterback from the Bears. Warren Moon, Hall of Famer. Randall Cunningham, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Jeff George. Dan Marino. Remember this well, yes, the pursuit of Marino. Very real. They tried to get Dan Marino Mm -hmm. in 2000. Danny. Legendary Dan Marino. Brett Favre. One of the best of all time. Don McNabb, one of the best of that era. Mm-hmm. Matt Castle, a little bit lower on this list. Uh, Kirk Cousins, like they went out and spent $30 million a year on Kirk Cousins, aggressive quarterback moves. And they they called on Drew Brees a couple years ago. The, the same offseason that Kirk Cousins wound up being the guy. The Vikings put a phone call in for Drew Brees, okay? So if you think they haven't broached Tom Brady in the room, I feel like you're going against 25 years of Vikings DNA instincts. So that's all I will say. You guys are just making this up. No, the Vikings for 25 years have been this franchise. This is what they are. They make aggressive moves 
for big time quarterbacks. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying like. And you asked us to come up with our scenarios too. Yes. I mean, that, I think that's fair for a sports talk show. Reckless speculation. I think we're irresponsible not to come up with when we're asked to come it up with scenarios. Irresponsible to not be reckless. Is yeah, what exactly. You're saying, yes, yes. Which, which is why I'm going down the path I'm going down. I'm wondering what Phil's going to read next. All right. I'm going to redact as much as I can from this. You're redacting okay. on the fly, too? You didn't even redact this before the show? No. There. If oh you, my God! If he messes up, I love oh the tight wire. If he messes, wow. if he messes up the redaction, there really are no consequences. Wow. Okay, like, like we are redacting his favors here. Okay, what is Man. what is more risky? Me trying to redact this direct message on the fly, or Nick Walenda going across well, three football fields of tightrope that with fraud. a volcano bullet. That fraud. Whoa. Nick Walenda. What do you mean fraud? Because he tightrope walked the Grand Canyon I said in this, jeans, by the I way. I said this today on Score North Live, weekdays noon or two. Go and listen to it Skinny at scorenorth.com and the Score no, North app. Boot cut. Okay. I bet they were stretchy <laughs> jeans. Um, what? First, why are daredevils still a thing in 2020? Like, the whole thing of a daredevil is either you make it and success, or you don't and you die or you're horribly maimed. It's the equivalent of, like, people going into the Coliseum and fighting lions for us to be having daredevils in 2020. But if you're going to be a daredevil, fine, dude. You don't wear a harness. If you're going to do the thing, oh. do the thing. So, what do you So die. Because they, they marketed it leading up to it. Nick Walenda walks across an active volcano with no net and a 3,000-foot drop. Cool. Like, that sounds real dangerous, dude. What they didn't mention is this fraud would be wearing a harness. A harness. And he's done this before, by the way. He shows up. No mention of the harness in the entire lead up to the tight wire act. And then he'll show up and they'll interview him. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, they said that uh, with the weather, it was too dangerous not to work with. A har- Get out of here, dude. Either do the either do the daredevil thing or don't do the daredevil thing. People are watching because you might die. That's why people are watching. I'm with Rami on this. Thank you. You guys I'm, are terrible. This is, not fraud. this is not supposed to be faces of death. You fraud. You guys are terrible. Here's the DM. This is from, uh, we're, we're, we're going to say this is from uh, listener listener A. So, so about that Tom Brady Vikings reckless speculation, I've been going back and forth about calling into the show and sharing it, but because I honestly think this is so outlandish myself, I haven't done it, but here it is. I'm going to DM it to you. Three weeks or so ago, I was at uh, a friend's house. <laughs> For a gathering. And uh, somebody who was at the house had a, what I'm going to call, to paraphrase here, a third-hand connection mm. to Viking sources. Reckless speculation. Actually, it might be second-hand. Second or third-hand connection to Viking sources. So you're trying to connect. Reckless speculation. And this person said, quote, Again, third hand. From what I'm hearing from somebody who would know, the Vikings are exploring all options to land Tom Brady. That's right. The scenario would be this. Cousins waves his no-trade clause and agrees to go to San Francisco with his pal Shanahan. Plausible. Who really likes Kirk. They love each other. Plausible. San Francisco then, in order to make room for... Kirk Cousins trades Jimmy Garoppolo back to New England, where Belichick probably never wanted him to leave in the first place. Plausible. And that clears the way. 
reckless speculation. For Tom Brady to sign with the Minnesota Vikings. End DM. Reckless speculation. Your thoughts? I got only one question. Who says no? Well, I would think that the 49ers' first option would be to just, and this is where, there's another story out today. This is amazing. This is from Nesson.com. Let me read this, and then we can get into all this, okay? Patriots fans would be forgiven for laughing at the notion of Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo trading places this offseason. However, the hypothetical swap reportedly is no laughing matter. Not only did NBC Sports' Tom Curran on Tuesday report that the Niners are closing hard on the outside of the Brady sweepstakes, but uh, here's another piece from the Boston Herald's Karen, is it uh, Grigian? Uh, yeah, I think that's Something right. Something like that? Okay. Yeah. Quote, Tom Brady to the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo back to the Patriots. Talk about a whopper. There's been growing speculation that this fantasy scenario could happen, with the buzz hitting a fever pitch on Tuesday, thanks to all types of reporting and conjecture from multiple sources. She goes on to say that uh, there is actually some validity to these reports and that they should not be laughed off. Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo potentially on the move. Reckless speculation. So here's the delicate part of the conversation. Garoppolo and Brady share an agent. So there is it is possible you could talk to the same person about two guys very delicately. And to Judd's question, who says no if we include just for fun, just for fun, if we include the Vikings part of this, okay? Which has not been reported by any means other than the third-hand speculation that we recklessly just read on our show. That's actually where stuff starts. Okay. It is. I digress. It is. All right. So who says no? The 49ers would say no to the notion of Kirk Cousins instead of Tom Brady. If the Niners can pull off a Jimmy Garoppolo for Tom Brady swap, I think they'd do that even up. So, So really what would have to happen is Tom Brady would have to want to play for the Vikings instead of the 49ers. I'll stop. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm going to stop you for one second. I disagree with one thing that you said. Now, I think John Lynch and Brady might be on the same page of getting Brady to San Francisco. But if what we've read about Kyle Shanahan is accurate and his devotion and love of Kirk Edward Cousins, I don't even know if that's actually his I was going to say, that's his real name. But I don't care. It sounds good. <laughs> if his love and devotion to Kirk Cousins is that strong, what if he says... John, this is my chance. It's, I've always wanted. I've always wanted. And because Brady. It's Daniel, by the way. Okay. Da- Kirk Edward, Daniel Cousins. Daniel. I like, I sort of I like, like just more. coming up with a different yeah. middle name every time you reference So, it. So if his goal, in, if Kyle Shanahan's goal in life is to get Kirk Joseph Cousins as his quarterback, and he's got this one chance, and Brady's shelf life now is about a year or so, it's definitely year to year, right? Y- yes. I'm not so sure this couldn't happen. Reckless speculation. So you're saying what you're saying is you think there's a chance Kyle Shanahan, if given the option, would take would Kirk rather Kirk. have Kirk Cousins than Tom Brady because they can sign and Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, because they can sign Kirk to a longer term contract. Kirk is more career left. Brady's very much a year to year proposition, and everything that we've been led to believe to a point of it almost seeing weird is that Kyle Shanahan is enamored, has longed to work with again, and now has a chance. To get Kirk Kyle Cousins as his quarterback, and Kirk Cousins knows the uh, he knows the system. He played in Shanahan's system in Washington. I don't think I don't think what Judd is saying is that crazy. So that's really where that's where this conversation 
where the rubber meets the road is what do the Niners want? Because the doesn't it seem like the Niners are essentially they ever, everyone thinks that Tom Brady is the linchpin for all of this, and he definitely is because if he chooses, he could go choose to play for the Titans or anywhere, right? If he goes back to New England, Tom Brady sets wheels in motion. Correct. But the 49ers set wheels in motion too because if the 49ers decide, you know what, we're we are moving off of Jimmy Garoppolo, and it doesn't cost us much money to do so. If the 49ers decide to if if the 49ers say, listen, we are Super Bowl ready and we are open for business for a quarterback upgrade, mm-hmm. think about how many things go into motion from that respect as well. So here's a question for you guys, all right? Oh, here we go, Rami. Be careful. careful. Reckless speculation. I'm going to give you three options. And these three options only, I want you to rank them, okay? And this can apply to the Vikings, the 49ers, or the Patriots, really. But, like, you're thinking from a Vikings perspective, okay? Would you rather have Kirk Cousins, but it has to be a three-year guaranteed deal at at big-time money, top-five money? Jimmy Garoppolo, same thing. It's got to be a three-year deal, and it's big-time money. Or Tom Brady on a one-year deal? (laughs) Give me the choices again. (laughs) <laughs> Kirk, Evil. Cous- Kirk Cousins on a three-year deal guaranteed ironclad <coughs> top five paid quarterback mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo same thing three-year deal top five money big time salary or Tom Brady on a one-year deal Man. give me Jimmy G I'm going Jimmy G I know right. that's probably the least popular answer but give me Jimmy Garoppolo Okay, I believe in that kid maybe right. it's just as good looks I don't know what it is you're mesmerized. He's mesmerized. A, he's a really good-looking guy. Really good-looking dude. I am selling out. I am going for the one-year Tom Brady. Because in my opinion, with the Vikings, you have nothing to lose. Kirk Cousins is not your long-term quarterback. Garoppolo might be. I don't know. But that's a definite might. That's not a for-sure thing. And if you're the Vikings, the 2020 season to me feels like I either you hit a reset, which is probably the smart move, or you throw the Hail Mary. And you just throw it as deep as you can and hope it gets tipped around and caught. And that's what taking Tom Brady is. Uh, I'm with Judd on this one. Really? I would Give me the one-year, baby. Roll the dice. There's always going to be a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Kirk Cousins waiting around the corner in the draft or in free agency. You're always going to be able to get a guy like that on a three-year contract for a lot of money. There's always going to be a Nick Foles or somebody that you can just plug and play. There's always a Case Keenum that you can plug and play. But if you have a shot at Tom Brady... That doesn't come around. That comes around once every 10 years where you have, well, in this case, it comes around once ever because he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And it fits the Vikings' personality. For 25 or 30 years, the Vikings have been all in on guys like this. Brett Favre, Warren Moon. So I'm living in a fantasy world because it's not going to happen. Reckless speculation. But it would be so much fun. If you saw a report float out from Adam Schefter that well, said, "Well, there has to be a percent." A fourth team has come into the mix for Tom Brady. You gotta, have, you gotta give it. You gotta put a percentage on. I mean, you can't say it's a zero percent chance. It's the Vikings. You think there's a greater than zero percent chance that the Vikings are in on Tom Brady? Yes, it's the Vikings. I absolutely do. I agree. I mean, zero. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's three, three to three percent, something like that. But yes, I do. I think that they have not done their due diligence going in the last year of a quarterback. That I pretty much can guarantee you they don't completely trust yes i wouldn't any nfl team who didn't at least sit down in their war room and mention the name tom brady 
and what you could do to get him and what he could do for your football team is not doing their due diligence. Unless you have a Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson or you are really, really set at the quarterback position or you just don't plan on winning anytime soon. If you fall in one of those two camps, you have a great quarterback or you don't plan on winning anytime soon, everybody else should at least have explored the possibility of, of signing Tom Brady and how they can make that happen and how much better it would make them as a football team. Yeah. So to be continued, we'll see. Hey, free agency opens up. Officially, the tampering period in 11 days. We are preparing our Vikings free agency frenzy bonanza here on Score North. We're going to have expanded local programming throughout the week. Purple Daily, the only year-round Viking show in the Twin Cities, 2 to 4 o'clock here on Score North. By the way, listener Tom tweets into the show. He says, Rami, did you see what happened to Grandpa Carl Walenda? Yeah, did you, you see my story? Res- did you see my response to no. Tom? Grandpa Walenda was the real deal, all right? He Dude, was he, the real he, thing. He died while performing yeah. daredevil stunts. You know why? Because he's a real daredevil. Because that's that's the risk. That's the that's that's what makes you famous for being a daredevil. You might die. Again, I think it's crazy that anybody would do that. I think it's crazy that people are still doing that at all in 2020, and we're watching it. But if you're gonna do it, man. Do it. Robbie Knievel ain't jumping his motorcycle into a foam pit, all right? He's doing the same thing Daddy did. Despite all the broken bones, despite the risk to his life, he's doing the same thing Daddy did. Be a daredevil, Dick Melinda, or don't. Here's fraud. Here's how Grandpa died. Despite being, this is from Wikipedia, despite being involved in several tragedies of his family's acts, Walenda continued with his stunts. In 1978, at the age of 73... Grandpa Walenda attempted a walk between the two towers of a 10-story plaza hotel in San Juan, He's a real Puerto Rico. One, man. That's my guy. On a wire stretched 121 feet above the pavement. As a result of high winds and an improperly secured <laughs> wire, high he lost his balance and fell during the attempt. He didn't show up and go, oh, the wind, there's a lot of wind. I better put on a harness. No, that dude was a real one. That was a daredevil when daredevils were daredevils. I hate to say this, but if you're going to go... A ten yeah. a ten story deal? You're gonna go make it skyscrapers, baby. Oh, you're not seventy three. Dude, dude, that's ten stories is pretty Okay, no, I know, but if you are gonna take that chance and you're gonna go go way up. Go to ten stories. That'd be like that'd be like you think to yourself, I think I'm gonna die, I think and then you're dead. I want a boom, big fall. Athlete ten challenge. stories is like ninety feet. Athlete challenge. Verbally binding. I don't like heights. Listen, if you're going to shoot, if you're going to shoot putts at me, <laughs> I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying that if I was a daredevil in Rami's world and I'm going to take my chance, put me way up there. In other news, on the other side here on Mackie and Judd with Nick Rami Walenda. from the Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can join myself and Dan Terhart this Saturday night for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United at the San Jose Earthquakes. Pre-game at 6.30 p.m. Kickoff at 7 p.m. right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We will throw it over to the breaking hockey news, or maybe breaking <coughs> hockey news me. desk. Shove's all good. Don't do this. It's a coronavirus update. <laughs> Please don't do this. Not, I really do have a cough. I'm sure it's nothing serious. It's just a tickle. It's just I haven't a tickle. Been, I haven't been tested. You'll yet. be fine. Don't worry about me, Rami. Why are you here? I'll be fine. High five. I'm not touching anyone. Uh, we have a uh, report 
out of the San Jose area that Santa Clara County says the recommendation uh, is to cancel large events, including tonight's Sharks Wild game that starts at 9.30 our time, 7.30 there. So this is a deal. Now, they might not cancel these games ultimately, but what they're going to have to do or what they potentially might do is play them before empty arenas, Jonathan. But then uh, Michael Russo of The Athletic 35 minutes ago followed up on that by saying he has been told that tonight's game will go on as scheduled. Mm -hmm. The only question now, I think, becomes when are we going to start to see an NBA or a hockey game? They're going to play it. They just won't be with fans there. Right. And that means you're going to have to refund all of the ticket money, but that is the price because you're not going to be able to cancel these games. You're going to have to play the games on TV in front of empty arenas. That will not be the case with Sharks Wild, but it was discussed. Okay, Kevin Fiala probably still finds a way to score a goal, even if the game gets canceled. And to your point, Jed, that's what they're doing in Italy right now with soccer games. But the Olympics are still on. the, The Italian government has told soccer teams, no matter what what league it is or Champions League, Syria, all games have to be clo- played behind closed doors yep. until the middle of April. So yep. they've already taken it out for a month. Wait, so. wait what do you mean behind closed doors? So they're going to play the games, but no, no fans. fans are allowed in. That's amazing. Are they going to yeah. televise the games? Yeah, they'll televise them, but all games are played behind closed doors for a month and a half now. <laughs> Not, there's nothing funny about the cough I've had for a few, <clears throat> a few weeks now. To be childish. <clears throat> Anyhow, in other news coming up here in just a second, but Rami, you broached something on Score North Live. I had a light bulb moment this morning. Light bulb went off over my head, Phil Mac. Are you ready for this? I'm going to fix sports. Okay. I'm Judd is going to drop out of the race for commissioner of all sports and endorse me after today, all right? Actually, yeah. I didn't ever okay. say that, but you should. Uh, the idea was pretty solid. This morning on Get Up, Mike slow. Greenberg had Max Kellerman and Steve Smith on the panel, a little crossover talk before first take started. And uh, they were talking about the Spike Lee Knicks thing. When that, you call him Steve Smith, it definitely... Did I say Steve Smith? A, I meant Stephen A. Smith. But no, I but meant, his name is Steve his Smith. His name is Steve Smith, yes. Um, is he, it like Stefan or Cal and Steve Urkel? Yes. He asked him, does the NBA, does Adam Silver need to step in and do something about this like they did with Donald Sterling and the LA Clippers and make James Dolan sell the New York Knicks because they've been so bad on the court, so embarrassing off the court. You got to do something about this. And mm-hmm. my first reaction was, hold up, dude. If the NBA is stepping in and making owners sell teams for being terrible on the court and embarrassing off the court, let's start with Glenn Taylor. I understand the Knicks are more high profile, but let's start with Glenn Taylor. That was my first thought. But then I thought, you know what? Greeny's maybe onto something here. And here's what he was onto. Here's what I'm onto. I just snowballed off of what Greeny said. Okay. Everybody, well, the leagues themselves, they hate tanking. They hate that there is like half the league that is not even trying to be competitive. We see it in the NFL, we see it in NBA, we see it in Major League Baseball. It's bad for business. Empty stadiums. Bad TV ratings. Nobody's coming to watch when they know you're trying to lose, mm-hmm. right? To discourage tanking and to encourage competitiveness, which leagues keep trying to come up with ways to do that. Here's my proposal, Phil Mackey. Okay. If you have four straight losing seasons, the league steps in and makes you sell the team. Wow. You're not allowed to be an owner of a team anymore. And so but, you, probably, you probably take a bath on the sale of the team because. No. No, you still sell it at market value. You don't make him sell it below market value, but he has to put it on the market immediately for all the any bidders who may exist. And if that happens to you, because there's bad luck involved sometimes, you can get back in line to buy another team somewhere down the road. I'm not even saying you can never be an owner again, but you got to sell the team you currently own. But make the playoffs, you get a five-year grace period. Make it to a semifinal, 
you get a six-year grace period. Win a championship, you get an eight-year grace period. That's my solution to fix a lack of competitiveness across the world of sports. I don't hate it because it would mean that the Timberwolves would have had a new owner long ago that mm-hmm. had a better chance. Mm-hmm. At least you could just cycle through. Because right now there is no mechanism to get rid of bad owners. James Dolan is just the owner. Yep. Daniel Snyder is just the owner. The problem Glenn is, Taylor. though, you could have a team moved. So, like, if I buy the Wolves and I'm a billionaire... You're going to put a stipulation in there. You're not allowed to move the team for however many but years. Now, but now you're going to have a problem selling teams because you are ah. going to run out of people who are going to buy them. I t- what I said was, Phil, my idea was to take Rami's idea and add a strike system. So if you're an owner of a team that's tanking or just not good, but you don't embarrass yourself, I was like, okay, I'm okay with that, but I want to put in strikes. Let's say... Your best player in franchise history, alienated by the franchise, not once but twice. Two strikes. Let's say you're a super fan who has been going in the same entrance forever, and now you decide because you're an idiot that you want him going in a different entrance. That's a strike. Let's say a former beloved player named Charles Oakley is let out by security. That's a strike. So I'm going with you're being you're bad. And completely inept and embarrassing, and I'm creating a subjective strike system. See, but that's subjective. I have an objective, hard and fast. That's why we're combining here. That's why I'm helping you out. Statistically based system. There's no, there's no wiggle room. There's nothing. There's no room for debate. You have four losing seasons. You're out. Yeah, I think, I think it has to. I think there has to be hard and fast rules. There should be ways to get bad owners out of these leagues. Yeah. There should be. But yep. It's going to be more than four years. You couldn't do four years. That's too brief. Plus, you'd also have like no, long, long time employees' jobs would be up in jeopardy. Yeah, and stuff. Probably, there's yeah. no excuse to be a losing team for four straight years. Even if you're rebuilding, I endorse rebuilds often, and my system, my way of doing things, doesn't even eliminate rebuilds. Right, but in in a in a sports league of thirty teams, there's going to be stretches where just some teams are no, way no. better. And... That's what we've accepted to this point. That's become the norm that you expect those long, bad stretches. In my system, that wouldn't happen. And imagine the chaos of well, millionaires, chaos be great. millionaires and billionaires who've had three straight losing seasons yep. who will do everything in their power Spending to money. not have a fourth straight losing season. Huh? Now that part of it... But would Glenn is, Taylor stop it? But, see, but there's a, there is a salary cap, though, in these sports. The, the sport where that would be the most interesting is baseball. Because you'd get to the fourth year, and oh my God, like we need to have a winning season, dude. Or I am no longer the owner, and so you would then spend. You might spend fifty Except million dollars. You're, fa- over your you're failing line. to weigh in that the Montreal Expos and Carl Polad put their teams up for contraction and would have loved to have been kicked out of the club <laughs> for a going it's, away check. It's a it's a pretty good idea. In other news, we got to transition here because it is Thursday, and uh, it's time to take a little break. Robbie. Assist from Matthew Collar on this one. He sent this story my way. Because he knows who I am. (laughs) CCTV footage captured a man. Actually, you know what? I'll save that. That's the punchline. A woman noticed a man driving around her block on a motorcycle. Footage caught the man pull over his motorcycle, stop in front of a shop before doing what he did. Saneha... Panjatha, 40, was inside the shop and noticed a man after hearing suspicious noises. I heard him ride around several times and wanted to know what was happening, she said. Panjatha then confronted him on the building's porch. She claimed the man looked to be having sex with the gate while wearing his motorcycle helmet, and he indeed was because I'm looking at the video. I came out of the kitchen to the front porch to ask him, 
But then I saw his... I was so shocked, so I shouted at him, and it scared him away. The footage shows the man fleeing on his motorcycle with his manhood still out. Pinjatha has given police in Thailand the full recording in the hopes they can catch the man. The motorcycle registration number is not clearly visible in the surveillance footage from the home, but they are checking cameras from streets nearby to identify a suspect. How do I ask this? Okay. What is the what is the material nature of the gate? I think it's metal. I think it's a metal gate. Did you just say you were watching the video? It's right in front of me, Don Jonathan. It's embedded in the article. You Did don't, you just say you were watching a sex video at work? <laughs> is Matthew Collar trying that's, to get you fired? That's my question here is... Did you really just admit to watching essentially porn at work? It's not porn. It's not porn. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing in the coverage. video. It's there, news and coverage. And also, this is show prep. There's nothing in the I'm video that is vulgar or against any company policy. Here, let me see. All right, hold oh on one second. Gosh. We're all just looking. Soft corn, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, you don't, you don't see anything. It's Look, Cinemax, I'll circa eleven thirty-seven p.m. on a Friday night. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely thrusting. Yeah, he's in there. Um, my question is this: She said I heard him ride around several times and wanted to know what was happening. Was this dude cruising for the right gate? Did he need just the right gate? He was like, I, "Yeah, that's the one." He was driving around. He saw other gates. I don't know if they weren't shiny right. enough. Okay, but of all the, if you're driving around and you've got. All of the outside elements in nature at your disposal. A gate is the thing that you choose? Hey, we all got our thing. other news. People are weird. But it had to be just the right gate. He drove around and found his perfect match. In other news, (laughs) this is from KTLA.com, KTLA 5 News. Authorities in Florida have arrested a woman. And as I read the rest of the sentence, this might actually be top three most jarring sentences <laughs> oh God. I can remember in this segment. Oh, God. Authorities in Florida have arrested a woman accused of zipping her boyfriend into a suitcase. Oh, I heard about this. Recording his repeated cries for help and leaving him locked inside until he died. Oh, my God. According to a sheriff's office documents. That's right. Deputies with the Orange County Sheriff's Office took Sarah Boone, 42, into custody on second-degree murder charges and the death of Jorge Torres Jr. Boone called 911 Monday afternoon from her Winter Park home and told, not that Winter Park, and told dispatchers her boyfriend was dead. So she called and said, yeah, he's dead. Investigators said she claimed they had been drinking the night before and agreed it would be funny if Torres got into the suitcase during a game of hide-and-seek. So they got drunk and thought it'd be funny if he just got into a suitcase. How is it hide and seek if if he's climbing into the suitcase and she's she's zipping it up? Yeah. It seems like a pretty easy way to trick your drunk boyfriend (laughs) into getting into a suitcase. Boom reportedly admitted she zipped Torres into the suitcase, went upstairs to bed, and awoke the next morning to find him still inside and unresponsive. And before she went to bed, she recorded his cries for help. Now, why, like, okay, people do stupid stuff when they're drunk all the time. Why do you record the cries for help unless you meant to kill this dude? In the video, uh-huh. he calls There's video? It's not embedded in the story, okay. but the police have video <laughs> from her phone. In the video, he called for help and yelled that he couldn't breathe. Boone could be heard yelling or, or could be heard laughing in the video saying, quote, that's what I feel like when you cheat on me, according to the document. Oh, that's... Oh my gosh. In other news, that's awful. 
It's like, terrible so and funny all in one. Creepy. I'm sorry. This is this is natural selection <laughs> rearing its head right here. Oh my gosh! In other news, in other, back, in other news, in other news, Dateline, Port Arthur, Texas. Because if it's not going to be from Florida, it might as well be from Texas. Sure. A 24-year-old man was sentenced Wednesday to 30 years in jail for posting on social media a video last August of himself removing an ice cream container from a Texas market freezer, licking the contents, and returning the container to the freezer. DeAndre Anderson, 24, also is sentenced to an additional six-month jail term, probated for two years. Six months. And ordered to pay a $1,000 fine and $1,500, in restitution to Bluebell Creameries, which had to replace all of its products in the freezer. He began serving his jail term immediately after sentencing. The incident happened August 26th at a Walmart in Port Arthur. Store surveillance cameras showed that he finally took the Bluebell ice cream from the freezer and bought it, which wasn't captured in the social media video. Anderson could have been sentenced up to a year in jail and fined $4,000 for misdemeanor criminal mischief. You guys ever do anything like no. that? No. And what is Absolutely the... not, dude. I'm a germaphobe. You think I'm doing that? I have two questions off this. Okay. My first question is, don't doesn't the punishment seem a little bit harsh? No. But second of all, what is up because there, there was something with a woman I think somewhere doing this last yeah, year. Yeah, this was a social media trend. It was like a dare that people yeah. were doing. Yeah, what And it's not cute. It's not funny. Yeah, what's and the I'm, I'm glad they're cracking down on it. That guy should go to jail. This is how stuff like coronavirus starts and spreads. But my thing is, when I read this cuz I read this actually right before the show today. Imagine the conversation when this dude sits down for commissary at the jail and they're like, "What are you in for?" Murder. Oh, you'd have to you'd have to lie, yeah. How about you? I robbed a bank. What about you? Stole a car? What'd you do, man? How'd you get here? I licked ice cream. You're getting your ass kicked right then oh, and you'd there. Have to, uh, getting your lunch stolen. You'd have to lie. For sure. You would never tell the truth. For uh, sure. Uh, I murdered a I murdered a family. I uh, <laughs> And, and, and you know what else them. I did? Yeah. I just licked all the ice cream in the commissary, too, so I wouldn't need yeah. any of that. And then I killed everybody. In other news. <laughs> she, pu- she put her boyfriend in a suitcase and Let's let him Let's move on from that. that one. That's disturbing, man. <laughs> I can't get that image out Sorry. of my head. Uh, doctors are starting <laughs> to get very concerned about people who subscribe to a dangerous home remedy touted on numerous websites. Credible medical professionals are emphasizing... That putting frozen potatoes in your rectum will, in fact, not help with hemorrhoids, also known as piles. There's no medical evidence that putting frozen potatoes never thought there was. inside that cavity can help cure piles, so I would urge caution to anyone thinking of doing it. Dr. Gianna Gall tells Wales Online, noting that those suffering from the condition can attempt to treat it at home in a number of ways, but sticking frozen spuds up there... Is not one of them. Would have been nice to know that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> In other news, today's segment has turned really weird. <laughs> has turned really weird. Well, you're isn't sort that, of watch. Isn't that the whole first, point? Of first, the you watch soft core uh, porn. I didn't watch any soft core anything. All right, don't, with the game. don't cost me my then job. Phil I just read about some guy who thought he was playing hide and go seek, <laughs> and instead got killed in a suitcase. And then you came back with. Frozen well, potatoes? I'll bring it back to a middle lane here and uh, refer back to other news. coronavirus because, listen, coronavirus has taken over 
the world. It has taken over news <laughs> discussions. Now we're going to cancel sporting events, and we're going to have sporting events played inside quarantine stadiums with no fans. And all those things were bad. But now coronavirus and its effects have gone too far. From Mashable.com. <laughs> The the next James Bond movie, No Time to Die, was supposed to come out this April. But caution and concern over the coronavirus has delayed the film's release until November. Oh, no. Phil's upset. Phil is devastated. We have to wait six more months for the next James Bond movie because y'all can't stop coughing into your hands. Do you hear how much money the entertainment industry is set to lose because of this? Because of, people not just go, James people Bond, aren't but, going to theaters, but and because stuff? of the coronavirus, five billion dollars this year. Do people really go to that that many movies still, huh? Yeah, I go to movies all the time. And that, is huh? that is that from that's people from, not going to theaters, yeah, or essentially, problem? yeah, and places being shut down, essentially. Hmm. No time to die's delay is the first major movie to have its release affected by the coronavirus outbreak. The decision to delay the movie came jointly from MGM Universal producers. And uh, also, the official Twitter account released uh, a graphic and a statement today. So, Breaking news sounder. I saw this. I was just about to do this. Michael McCarthy, a credible reporter who has worked for SI, CNBC, The New York Times, USA Today, and if I'm not mistaken, used to write the radio TV sports column at USA Today, is reporting that Tony Romo could have a short-lived reign as the highest-paid TV sports analyst. ESPN is prepared to offer Peyton Manning 18 to 20 million a year Woo-hoo! to call Monday Night Football. Wow. Romo is making wow. 17 mil a year with his new CBS deal. And Phil, I don't know if you saw the report earlier today from Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, but it's that ESPN slash ABC is trying to make a trade, a literal trade, work a deal to get Al Michaels back on the Monday Night Football call to pair him with Peyton, then opening the door, as Rami and I talked about in Score North Live, for Tariko then just to go into the booth with Collinsworth. But dude, that would be best for Manning everything. eighteen to twenty million possibly. Okay, what have they thought about this? So we we assume. Whoop. Remember, because we thought and assumed that Jason Witten would be pretty good on TV. Like you never really know until someone gets into the booth and does a three hour game. What if they pay Peyton Manning guaranteed two hundred million dollars over ten years, eighteen twenty million dollars a year, and he's just bad on TV for long stretches? I don't think he would be, man. I don't think he would be either. But he'll be better than Romo. He'll be better than Romo. If so, we all win. Yes. So is so you are notoriously not anti-Romo, but that you just like he doesn't draw you to games. Would Peyton Manning draw you to Monday Night Football games Monday that have largely football, been unwatchable? Monday Night Football is a little bit of a different beast. A little bit of a different animal there in Monday Night Football. Sunday, I'm sitting there. I'm watching football all day, regardless of who's in the booth. Put a toddler in the booth. I don't care. I'm going to watch. Might have to turn it down because they're going to start crying and kids are annoying. But... I'm going to watch all day Sunday. And my point with Tony Romo is, if you're making $17 million a year in the TV industry, it better damn well be because you're bringing eyeballs to TV screens and not just because you're enhancing something that's already bringing eyeballs to TV screens. People are watching the NFL, Tony Romo or no Tony Romo. Monday night is a little bit different. I'm a big football fan, but I don't always watch Monday night football. I watch Monday night football if... I have fantasy implications. One of my teams is playing, a team that I cover, a team that I root for. There just isn't anything better on TV. That's why I watch Monday Night Football. Putting Peyton Manning in the booth and paying him all that money makes some sense to me. Because on Monday night, 
You're competing against everything else on TV. You're competing against every streaming service. People aren't as conditioned to sit down and watch football on a Monday night as they are all day Sunday. It's a much more competitive landscape on Monday night than Sunday afternoon is where Tony Romo So can, can I just be assured of one thing? If ESPN lands Peyton Manning for Monday Night Football, can we at least bring back Booger McFarlane's floating mobile chair on the sidelines and have Peyton Manning? It blocked the views of fans. Fans got mad. They couldn't see through Booger. The Booger the Mobile. Booger-mobile. The Booger Mobile. It blocked their uh, ability to see the field. Can we please get that? Boy, if we had, man, if we had Al Michaels, Peyton Manning, and we have Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, and Tony Romo, Jim Nance, and Troy Aikman, and Joe Buck. It's all good, Football's man. never been in a better spot with good. top announcing pairs. So. I want to know what you trade for Al Michaels. That's my question. Let's brainstorm that on tomorrow's show. Will they take Booger? (laughs) A Booger to be named later? Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.